Welcome to the Consummate Athlete Podcast, where we explore what it means to be a well-rounded, happy, goal-crushing athlete. Every week, myself, sports journalist Molly Herford, and cycling coach and kinesiologist Peter Glassford interview experts and chat through all of your training questions. We're excited to have you along for the ride. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. Peter, how's it going? It's going well. I'm back uh, training a bit more here. I never really stopped hugely, but definitely deloaded there for maybe three or four weeks. So yeah, it's back. Good energy and, and feeling good. So it just, feel, just felt natural to come back. How about yourself? What are you up to? Actually, pretty much the same after a full week off after my rough race at Hurricane. Uh, yeah, took, took some time off of running and just kind of did a couple mini runs just to make sure the body was feeling okay the week before last, but sort of eased my way back into more standard training this past week and felt pretty good. Okay. Also, and what are you training for? Oh man, that's I guess the good question. I mean, theoretically, uh, and we'll probably talk about this as we get into sort of that new year, new me goal setting time of year. But I think uh, Leadville 2024 is pretty high on my list right now. Uh, so this is uh, being recorded September 26th, 2022. To put that in context, we're talking almost two years. Sure. Um, but I think. You know, when it comes to some of these big, scary goals, big, scary, audacious goals, um, I, sometimes I think we we rush them maybe a little bit. I don't know if you ever see this with clients where people are kind of always thinking that like six to 12 months ahead, like we're thinking about races for 2023. But with something like Leadville, where there's so many factors, there's heat, there's altitude, there's the fact that it's 100 miles. Um, there's There's so many things at play there that I think it's pretty reasonable to have that kind of a two year out goal. Certainly, I think it's it's hard, right, sometimes to think that way. That's why in our goal setting, you know, that's what we're using is this two years is the time span. And I always say that doesn't mean you can't plan to win your state championships next year. But, you know, within the next two years, that's the goal there. But we do like to think sort of a little bit. And this is where the why the purpose comes in, too, is it gives a purpose to what it's not that you're not going to race next year or have a big race for next year. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, you have seasonal plans still. But yeah, it sort of puts that stuff into context and, and lays it out, which is nice sometimes. And, and it'll probably dive four different directions in the meantime. It probably there's a good chance it won't even be Leadville. But who knows? Right. That's the best hey, you can, hey, best hey. you can bet right now. Yeah, exactly. So I was sort of thinking thinking my way through to that. Um, and on that note, uh, today's sponsor is sort of our custom three-month training plan. So these are the made-for-you training that's right. plans. That's key. You have to say made-for-you. And, and that's this is the time of year for sure. And it's definitely it's a, a busy time. So get in while you can. Uh, you can book those. Uh, we'll put the link in the show notes, of course. But yeah, this, you know some folks are using it to get ready for a race, You know, maybe in the fall or in the, the early winter, fat biking, Zwifting, whatever, uh, You know, destination races, tours, what, what have you. Uh, but a lot of other folks are starting to lay that early base, right? A lot of preparation base phase. And uh, it, it's nice to have some fresh workouts. It's nice to have a bit of a structure to the, 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 the season, I guess, really. But the fall when it's a little easier to let things slide and, and fall, fall yeah, apart. Yeah. And I think the reason I wanted to mention that right now is, you know, I'm talking about two years out, obviously, and I'm talking about Leadville. But uh, I think the, the point of the three-month training plan isn't that you have an event in three months. It's just three months of training. And the reason for the three months is because, you know, typically after three months, that's sort of a a training cycle. And you usually want to kind of reassess, reevaluate, and, and then sort of create another three-month plan from that rather than, you know, you don't offer 12-month custom training plans because honestly, like, life happens, right? Like, how many times would you make a plan like that for, like, a full year? And, of course, that's not going to, like, work mm -hmm. out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's always in pencil for sure. Um, yeah, I, I don't even know. I was thinking, you know, if I argued with myself, you could probably make an argument that that's even still too long. But uh, a lot of people will check in during the three-month plan and we'll do a little adjustment, right, with a phone uh, consult and they'll tell me, you know, how it's been going and, you know, the vacation that got booked or, or got moved or, or whatever happened, right? And we can sort of adjust that on the fly. But yeah, it's, it's a nice, it's a quarter. And I think sometimes looking at those those quarters of the year are nice uh, because, as you say, the the new year, new you, uh, new you, new me, uh, it, it comes quickly, uh, but not not frequently enough to course correct, right? And if you get in on the three month custom pl like training plan in the next two weeks, you're really leading into a very strong new year, new me, as we are like three months out from the new year. 
Exactly. Why wait for that, right? We can, uh, if we can do this more often, it's easier to sort of course correct. We're going to always, as I say, things will dive during that period, but it's nice to course correct and, and hit that new year's running. It's definitely, uh, I, I think there is something around that new year uh, where you don't want to be starting from zero necessarily. It's nice to have some, some uh, hay in the barn, I guess, so to speak. Yeah, exactly. Uh, And uh, last thing I'll add on that, and we'll have a link to this uh, in the show notes. I just did an article for bicycling about training when you're not really working a traditional nine to five, you don't always have weekends off. So we sort of talked about the implications for training plans, because any pre-made training plan you get, virtually every pre-made training plan uh, is made on the assumption that you work nine to five, Monday to Friday, and then have Saturday and Sunday off. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this article just talked about how to look at training when that isn't the case, which is, I mean, that's that's a growing ma- you know majority of people. So well, definitely check exactly. that out. Exactly, and that's, I think, the this this is something that, I think not a lot of coaches offer it, this this three-month made-for-you plan. And that's, I think, the value. It's not that there's a magical you know threshold interval that's that different than what anyone else has. It's that I'm going to put those in and we're going to account for your family's taking vacation. You know, you work night shifts, so you have some wild, you know, four on, four off, night shift, day shift, uh, four days off thing. Uh, you know, just all these things. You know, you, you like to take Sundays off uh, through the pandemic. That's been a super common thing that a lot of people just are taking a full off day on the weekend uh, and then training during the week when their schedule is a little more rigid, right? They have their hour uh, versus spending time with the family or, as I always say, going to garage sales. Mm-hmm. All right. So on to today's episode, uh, sort of similar related, um, you know, as I've been talking about my DNF at Herakana, that's what we were kind of referring to when I took an off week there. Uh, Today, we have on Sareem Aslam. He's a research assistant and psychologist at Oxford. And we are talking all about managing anxiety and stress as an athlete. Uh, I got to tell you, I think this conversation actually helped me other than my, you know, mini temper tantrum in the uh, crew area when I did, you know, officially DNF from that race where I burst into tears and it was a little dramatic. Uh, I think other than that, I I managed to get through this pretty well. And I'm going to say a lot of that's down to a lot of the tools that we talk about in today's episode. Okay. Well, that's a good teaser. Yeah. It's always a popular subject, right? And I think because it matters, right? There's no escaping it. I, I don't know. It's, you know, we can't decrease it all the time, but it is, you know, something that we have to live with, I guess, really. Yeah. And I think the thing that I pushed him on a lot in this episode, and he was obviously very like happy to be pushed on this, uh, is the pushback because I think we often read these articles about stress and anxiety in generic publications that talk about how exercise is a fantastic reliever for stress and anxiety. And that's true up to a point. But a lot of the athletes that we know, athletes that we work with, for them, exercise can actually very easily become a huge stressor and source of anxiety. So we sort of talk about what do you do when, uh, what is it, like the medicine becomes the disease, mm-hmm. whatever that saying sure, is. Sure. Uh, so we talk a lot about that and kind of how to how to re think or reframe that and hopefully some tangible tips for all of you uh, anyone who's struggling with that or just stress and anxiety in general yeah it sounds like a great one it is all right without further ado enjoy this episode with sarim aslam sarim welcome to the consummate athlete podcast i'm very excited to talk about all things stress and anxiety or i guess maybe i'm slightly stressed to talk about all things stress and anxiety (laughs) today so thank you for joining us that's right. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm delighted to be on here. Yeah. So uh, before we get into how athletes can cope with stress in all of the various ways, shapes and forms, how did you get into this field of study to begin with? Like what what caught your attention with it? Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, it's, it's such an interesting concept because it, it applies to everyone, really. It's not just whether it's an athlete or someone with more of a, a mental health difficulty or something like that it's everyone suffers from or experiences stress and anxiety at different points in their life um for me obviously at the moment i'm, I'm doing my doctorate in clinical psychology so that's a big part of the work so i, I tend you know i have therapeutic clients that i'm working with um to do with anxiety um, i'm doing my own research in anxiety at the moment as well um so it's just sort of a, an interest of mine purely based on the fact that it's just so so common and it affects us in so many different ways um and it presents so differently as well so i just think it's so interesting uh, and i'm always intrigued at, at finding new ways or, or or methods to help cope with that mm-hmm. yeah and to me it's so fascinating how stress comes into exercise because like when we talk about exercise it is a physical mm-hmm. stress but then it relieves mental stress but then in the case of you know 
elite athletes or athletes who are really trying for a goal, it can also cause stress. So it kind of presents this very interesting Mm -hmm. world where stress can mean so many different things uh, when we're Mm -hmm. talking about exercise. Um, So maybe we should start with maybe like a couple definitions of like, how would you, how would you kind of talk about, I guess, first just anxiety versus stress, and then maybe like the long-term versus the short-term versions of each of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, they obviously used, I think they used quite closely together and interchangeably, but I think the important thing to bear in mind is, is stress is often in relation to a trigger or a, or a stressor. So as an example, it could be that you've got a, a race coming up, that's going to be your trigger that can re- lead to, to stress for you or someone a a student might have an exam coming up and that's going to be their trigger for their stress they experience whereas anxiety is it it's kind of this state or feeling which doesn't actually occur or it doesn't need to occur with a stressor if that makes sense so the Mm -hmm. stressor doesn't need to be there for you to feel anxious um so again just as an example you know someone who is afraid of perhaps going out and, and meeting people you know with a bit of social anxiety they could experience that anxiety whilst being at home on their own, not necessarily being out and about and meeting people, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And with the last couple of years being uh, as as mm-hmm. hectic as we're going to say <laughs> they've, yeah, they've been yeah. for so many reasons, uh, do you feel like kind of that more general anxiety is more prevalent for people now where there's just kind of that like little base of just unease that I think more and more people mm-hmm. have maybe? Definitely, definitely. I mean, you think about, you know, the lockdowns that people have had in different countries, um, you know, over here in the UK, we had so many different kind of lockdowns. And I guess going from that, you know, having a, a period of eight, to 10 weeks where you're kind of just not being able to really do anything, you're just in, in your house or your flat or whatever, you're not interacting with people, you're not going to the store. So coming out of that, and then thinking about COVID, am I going to catch COVID? Am I going to pass COVID on to someone? That's of course, going to raise a natural amount of anxiety that we're all going to feel. But again, with that, you could feel that anxiety whilst being at home, um, you know, just wondering to yourself, oh, if I go out, will I go and catch COVID or will I mm-hmm. pass it on? And you can feel that anxiety there and then. Then you have to think about what's quite interesting is um, for me, you know, children who are born in, in this kind of era as well, because, you know, I had, you know, my, my fiance, her niece was born during COVID and you know, she was then perhaps probably used to being at home and just with her family rather than, you know, interacting with loads of different people. So perhaps that's probably had an effect on some kids growing up as well or their ability to interact too. Mm -hmm. So I think it just, yeah, it can affect you in so many different ways. And definitely with the last couple of years, most definitely we saw increases in uh, anxiety in general. uh, And we know that from the stats and what that shows. Yeah. And we've seen it just within coaching. It's sort of an interesting thing where everyone already kind of has stress and anxiety around big races, right? Like you're going to travel to say like uh, this weekend, there's like the Leadville 100 and it's this huge bucket list race that so many people, you know, they train for years to get into, they get into it. It's a huge thing. And now we also have to pile on top of it. Like, okay, but you're also going to be in airports and like air travel Mm -hmm. is all, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. just bonkers right now and exactly. you know now we need to be worried about oh gosh if i have covid on the start line what is that there's just mm-hmm, so many mm-hmm, other factors mm-hmm. um so i think it, it all just kind of keeps compiling um but mm-hmm. one thing you and i talked about the last time we spoke uh for a totally different thing and i'll link to that article in the show notes because it had so many good uh points about <laughs> stress and anxiety in general in it um you mentioned there was a study done by a Stanford psychologist that found that perception of stress matters more mm-hmm. than the actual stress. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you just kind of mm-hmm. speak to that? Because I think that's a really important part of uh, what we're going to talk about here. Yeah, um, I mean, it was quite a number of years ago now. I think it was back in 2012, I believe the study was was conducted. But it was kind of quite a, a big breakthrough in the sense that if we reframe or look at stress or perceive stress differently, it can have a different effect on us. So I guess what the study showed is that those who perceived stress to be bad for them and be uh, harmful for their health, they actually had more chance of having more illnesses and actually had an increased mortality rate. Whereas when you compared that to people who saw stress as less harmful for them and perhaps something that's an adaptive thing, um, you know, something that's going to help them, they had their mortality rate was much, much lower and they had less chances of having particular illnesses as well so just that simple switch in the way they viewed stress 
had an impact on the way you know their their health really uh, men- mentally and physically mm-hmm. which is just like such an amazing thing that our, mm-hmm. our brain mm-hmm. is capable of doing um, I love that I remember reading in just some some novel I think uh, the woman is like listing out everything she had to do mm-hmm. in the day or whatever and then she's like you know getting anxious about it, and then she's like challenge okay this is just mm-hmm. a challenge and I think <laughs> yeah, about yeah. that every damn time I look at my to-do list mm-hmm. and I'm like oh no and challenge that's yeah, all it is yeah. it's a challenge <laughs> yeah I think I think it's great because when you I guess yeah viewing things in that way rather than it being a stressor and you see it as a challenge you know for for many people that's going to try and help them push them through it and get them through it and adapt really um you know I mean I th- I'm sure we'll come on to you know exercise and talking about stress and its impact and you know even exercise in general is a form of stress on your on your body but we use that to ha- provide us with adaptations for muscles to grow you know cardiovascular circuit to, to, to do better and work better so mm-hmm. yeah so it's just it's just uh, you know the perception is so important I think yeah and I mean really that's the same could apply you could kind of call it like exercise for our brain when it is yeah. a lot of things that are, are coming mm-hmm. a lot of inputs coming in right uh, so mm-hmm. same kind of thing um, so actually that was one of my questions is just like when is stress mm-hmm. a positive um, because obviously mm-hmm. with without stress I don't think you can't exist without stress, right? Like that's no. just an impossibility. <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, exactly. Um, I think the, the positive aspect of stress is, you know, it enables us to really adapt to, to certain situations. So if we if we use a context of, you know, exercise or, or being uh, an athlete for, for a race or in the gym, you know, when you're in the gym and you're lifting a weight, you have to put a certain amount of stress on that muscle for it to grow. Yeah if you don't provide it with that, it's not going to adapt in order to grow and lift that weight. So then next time you can do better. Mm-hmm. So stress in that sense is a positive aspect because it relates to adaptations um, through your body, but also through personal growth as well, which is something I write about a lot. Um, and I guess really, it, you know, if we have that perception of stress, that it is a challenge or that it's going to enable us to do better and overcome things then you're more likely to approach the task maybe with a bit more confidence, for example, you know, have a bit more belief in your ability. Um, and again, relating it to exercise, what's that, that's going to translate into adaptations for your own body, adaptations for your muscles, for your endurance, or, or, or even your mindset as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that kind of all makes me start thinking about the sort of long-term stress or anxiety that some of us feel around races. Like I have my, mm-hmm. one of my big mm-hmm. races in the season is coming up in like five weeks. Yeah. Um, and it's, it, what you just said there is making me think about like the tiny everyday stresses of like getting through today's workout. Mm-hmm. Like if I mm-hmm. just took the non-stressful route of sitting on mm-hmm. my couch and watching more episodes of manifest <laughs> or something, which is what I've been doing. Uh, if I just did that, uh, you know, my, my overall or like longer term stress would actually, I think be growing because I'd be very mm. aware that I was not ready for the actual race, but these like mm. small stressors every day of like, Oh, I have to run 10 miles today and eight miles tomorrow and whatever. Uh, that's like those little stressors are all building me up so that the big stressor of this mm. race mm. in five weeks, mm. um, mm. is a little less scary. Uh, it is still very scary though, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to, to be honest. Um, so yeah. Yeah, when when someone has a race on the calendar, whether it's five weeks or five months or a year from now, um, how do we kind of use that stress and anxiety around that race to compel us toward being better prepared for it and feeling good about it rather than just being like, oh, crap, oh, crap, oh, crap, what have I done? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's such a great question. Um, You know, something I often think to myself um, you know, when I'm training in the gym or if I'm suing a lot is is to to really take things step by step and day by day. I think what tends to happen is we think about the the end goal or, you know, if you think about the race, for example, and that's in a few months away, then we start to picture that and, and start to picture things that are going to go wrong or mm-hmm. how am I going to be able to do this? And we, we notice this type of thinking called catastrophizing where we think the worst of situations basically mm-hmm. something that can really help with that is just to take a moment to yourself and just say what can I do today in order to get me ready for that race because that's in five six months time so you've got so many days in between that in order to prepare yourself basically so you, the most fundamental question you can ask yourself is okay today what do I need to do today to get me ready for that so if that does mean you need to run your eight or ten miles okay then I need to do that 
uh, or for me, you know, if I, if I have a goal of competing in a swimming competition that's coming up, um, I might say to myself, well, today I need to do this many lengths and this many exercises in order to get to that stage that I'm ready, basically. Mm-hmm. That's something I like to do, just take it and break it down um, into, into the small manageable chunks, basically, in order to get you ready for that ultimate goal. Yeah, I love that. And I think that's where having a plan too comes in because yeah. it's one of those things where it's it's great to say, yes, I'll do. I mean, like you just pointed out, the even the swimming example, like it's not mm-hmm. like you can just say, okay, today I'm just going to go swim, you know, 3,000 meters. And then tomorrow I'm just going to swim 4,000 meters. And then five, like you're not just going to keep going up, like rest and like an actual yeah. reasonable training plan is also part of that, which yeah. I think also yeah. helps relieve stress, right? Like if you can kind of look at like your next five months and have them. Mm-hmm like plot it out and know what exactly you need to do every day yeah, yeah. Um, instead of trying to reinvent the wheel every, every day, having the same mm, panic mm-hmm, and the same, mm-hmm. what do I need to do today? If it's already yeah. there. Um, yeah. So Definitely, that, that yeah. prep. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned catastrophizing now. Um, mm-hmm. So I feel like a big thing in the past year that I keep hearing about is the, is the idea of leaning into the negative a little bit and like thinking mm-hmm. through, okay, so that like, this is my catastrophic thought. You know, I, I get a flat tire in the first 10 seconds. So I get crashed out or I get a cramp or whatever, instead of just trying to do that, like very nineties, like be positive, like don't worry, be happy mentality. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. do you kind of speak towards like maybe thinking through the negative or like thinking through that worst case, if that's where your brain keeps going? Yeah, I mean, it's a tough one because obviously our brains, we have this thing called a negative bias or negativity bias. So we're going to be more attuned and sensitive to negative events. So you can do, you know, five things that are positive, but that one negative thing is going to stick in your mind. And we know that happens because of evolution. We know it happens because our, you know, brain scans show that our our mind or brains fire um, more rapidly and, and sensitively to negative stimuli than positive stimuli. So, of course, it's going to have that impact on us. Um, so that's probably the first thing to understand that, which is why it's so hard to actually be positive all the time. And I don't think being positive all the time is, is realistic as well. We do need those, those moments. Um, when you mentioned, you mentioned something quite nice around working through the negative, I think a good thing with that is, OK, what, what's going on in your mind? What's the thoughts that you're having about that situation? So you gave the example of, you know, if it's going to be a, a flat tire um in in the first you know first few minutes of the race if you've identified that thought um and you can kind of really label it and say look this is my negative thought i'm having you can then try to think about perhaps a bit more of a realistic view or perhaps maybe evidence for and against that thought if that makes sense to try Mm -hmm. and help challenge that thought um really you're trying to challenge it and tackle it so that you can overcome it um often we have these thoughts and we might let them play over in our mind that you know one thought leads to another and then we put it put it aside and then it's kind of still there in the background and we haven't addressed it so sometimes really addressing the thought writing it down this is exactly what I'm thinking at this point in time but you know ask yourself is there times is there other races where you thought that and that thing didn't happen because it most likely is Um, Mm -hmm. so sometimes if I'm swimming in, in a competition and I'm you know, I could have an easy negative thought of that. I'm going to, you know, when I dive in, it's going to dive too deep and I'm going to come up too late or, or something like that. But I just know that the race that I have done, that hasn't happened and I've executed quite well. So you just need to think about how can I challenge these thoughts? What's the evidence for and against these thoughts? Mm-hmm. And are there times where this thought that I've had hasn't actually come true? Because that's the way you're going to tackle it and break it down. Yeah, I really like that. I mean, I think, yeah, this this new advice, I guess, of like, hope for the best plan for the worst Mm -hmm. is said with like good intentions, Mm -hmm. but I I think you're totally right. Like it, it kind of has this weird, it it leans into the negative bias, I guess. Um, and I mean, yeah, I guess like, even if you think through it and you kind of know, you can, you can get around it, like, okay, I can fix my flat. I can make sure I have my flat changing stuff. You know, you're kind of already like now listing out all of these negative things do you feel like maybe it would be helpful to also list out like the positive things that you're hoping happen to just kind of balance that a little bit? Because I feel like now I've got this like Mm. giant negative list that I've thought through, like, okay, I've thought Mm. through the worst, which feels as I'm saying it more like now I'm like manifesting the worst to happen. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I think it speaks true. I mean, 
you know, you definitely have to think about what can go right as well. What's the best possible scenario here? I think, you know, you hear a lot about athletes visualizing their, um, you know, their movement or what's going to actually happen. Or, you know, if a footballer is about to take a penalty, they visualize which side it's going to go in and them doing the celebration because they've scored. So you definitely need to list out and think about what are the positives as well. Um, what are these scenarios and really try and embed that into your mind too. Um, and I think the thought challenging exercise can help you do that as well, because like I said, it's just trying to challenge that thought. It's not letting that thought sit there. Mm-hmm. You're kind of pushing it back a bit and saying, look, I know you're there, but here's a few other things that I'm going to, that I can think about that is going to push that negative thought away. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And the more I'm thinking about it, I, I realize I'm kind of focusing on this negative thought thing only because I keep hearing it just over and over yeah, where people yeah. are just so into this idea now. Um, I'm trying to think of like how I'm trying to, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm now got like too many uh, ideas rolling <laughs> in my head. So I'm trying to figure That's out how to right. phrase this. Um, we have this weird, now we're listing all these negative things that can happen. It almost feels like our brain or like we're trying to protect ourselves so that when the bad thing happens, we don't mm. feel bad about it. We're actually trying to like de-stress about a bad thing happening instead of, I guess, being okay with being stressed that a bad thing happened. Um, mm. We're almost trying to kind of like take down the that feeling of like, okay, I really want this to go right. We're kind of trying to make it okay that something goes wrong, if that makes sense. But I feel like that might actually be not serving us necessarily because arguably like disappointment Mm. and coping with disappointment is a huge part of what we get from sport, right? Like if there's no disappointment, then there's really no super celebration or victory. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think you're bang on there with what you said, kind of, we we kind of often do this and think about the negative scenarios to protect ourselves. So that if it does happen, we're not too disheartened, for example. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's definitely, I think, a way of people look at it. But as I said, that sometimes then, you know, if you just think about the fact that you're thinking about this negative thought or this situation that's going to happen, how will that translate into your performance, then it's not really going to translate well you know are you going to have the confidence to 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 ride that race or to to run that mile or 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 to swim that length for example exactly I think part of it just like brings that little voice up in the back of our head that's like it's okay that this isn't yeah. going well just just <laughs> chill out just take this yeah. take this mile or take this lap a little a little chill it's yeah. okay we've talked through this we know it's going to be fine <laughs> if it uh, doesn't go according to plan it's like, no maybe we should be maybe we should be trying and pushing because I mean that's Sports are really this whole metaphor for mm. life. It's not yeah. supposed to be that every race goes perfectly. The point is almost that it, every race doesn't go perfectly. And that's where mm. we're like learning these like life lessons or every mm. workout mm. or, you know, however you want to put it. Exactly. I think if, if everything goes perfect, then, for, you know, for anyone, then are you really going to be able to have a chance to better yourself or become better? Um, yeah. So often you hear athletes say that, you know, when they've lost you know, if they, if they lose a football match, they realize, you know, I don't want to ever experience that feeling again. So I'm going to do next time I'm going to train even harder. or I'm going to work even better to try and overcome that. So that can be a driving force as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, versus, you know, I I lost the thing. Well, that's okay. I had my list of things and, you know, that didn't go according to plan and it's, it's fine. Um, Mm -hmm. We, I, I guess like my thing is just kind of, we, we really should be striving at least a little bit. Like we don't want to get into like stress and anxiety where they're this uncomfortable all the time thing, but I think it's okay yeah. to lean into a little bit of stress here. I think so. Cause we've talked about the adaptation effect that it can cause. So by leaning into that and, 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 but also reframing as perhaps a challenge rather than this stress that's kind of looming over you, that's, well, that's what's going to help you. And I think you have to know your own motivation style as well. Everyone's got different ways of, of uh, being motivated and also your level of, of competition as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. if you are a more elite level athlete, then it's going to be different to someone who isn't as elite and perhaps they're doing it a little bit more to keep fit and healthy, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. I, I had, you know, a, a good race, but then it, it didn't end exactly the way that I wanted it to. And mm-hmm. at one point I was telling someone about it and they're like, you're way like you're like a lot more like calm about it. I was talking to my coach about it. He's like, you're a lot more like positive and calm on this than I would have mm-hmm. expected. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, maybe it's actually not a good thing that I'm this positive and calm. <laughs> on it. Like, 
maybe I should be a little bit more, you know, mad at myself about it, which sounds really weird to say out loud. Mm-hmm. But I mean, honestly, I think, you know, that would actually probably push me to be a little bit better for next time if I, you know, stop yeah. trying to like reframe it so positively. So everything's mm-hmm. okay, um, mm-hmm. which I think is kind of almost we've gone so far in that direction of everything has to be so comfortable yeah that now we like have to talk away any any stress mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah exactly and uh, that that boils down to motivation style or what gets you going because some people that compassionate stance is going to be a bit more helpful and there's nothing wrong with that as well you know it's important like I said it's you know f- figure out how what works for you um first or, or try out these different approaches is is it leaning into that negative a bit more to push you a bit more is what's going to help you or is it this compassionate approach that you can take yourself being a bit kinder to yourself so you're not as you know down in the dumps or or, or something like that so mm-hmm. it's just even in even in therapy right when, when I'm doing therapy with someone um you know you, you you're kind of seeing what's working for them basically and you're going with that with that style so we talk a lot about a self-compassion approach as well but then there are also ways that you try and get people to challenge themselves or challenge their style of thinking too so it's just, it's just a balance and finding out what works for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I liked that the last time I talked you, you were very much on the, like, it depends thing when I was trying to get you to say like journaling or doing yeah. this or doing <laughs> yeah, this yeah. or doing this was that. like the thing to do. Yeah. You're like, well, it really depends for some people, you know, journaling through this stuff is going to be incredibly unhelpful. And for yeah. someone else, it might be, you know, extremely helpful. Um, mm-hmm. And I think, you know, the same is the same is even true for exercise, which we're going to get to in a minute. But uh, yeah. you mentioned kind of this idea of reframing stress, we kind of talked about the stress as challenge. Um, and I wanted to kind of give you the two scenarios where I want you to talk through how to reframe stress. And the one is during mm-hmm just like during a workout. So let's start there. So, Mm -hmm. you know, we're talking about like during the workout, it's just, it's hard. And, you know, it's, it's really Mm -hmm. easy. You know, I was doing hill intervals yesterday and it's super easy during the interval to be like, you're going to back off a little bit. This seems, this seems difficult. (laughs) Uh, I don't want to be here. I'm just gonna just tone it down a little, Mm -hmm. Um, or I'm just going to run this next one on a flat instead of a hill Mm -hmm. because reasons um because you know it's stressful and it's hard and my brain did not want to engage with it so how how can i reframe my my stress in my workout to make me actually get through my workout Mm -hmm. so it's kind of like i guess you're asking if you're really finding that you know that workout tough or you're you're struggling to do that next set what can you do to try and motivate yourself in that moment Mm -hmm. yeah um i think in in the moment is it can be tough but um, I guess a few things I would say would be one thing that I quite like doing, you know, if I'm in the gym and there's a, a set that I've just done um, and it was really, really tough and I'm like, oh, I just can't do this next set. Um, I always like to think about times when I've managed to actually overcome that before. I'm basically, I'm basically talking myself up to say to myself, listen, sorry, you've done these things before. You've managed to, to, to get through that set when you'll basically feel like shit and kind of you know you've got the capacity to do it so push yourself through it so that's something that helps me quite nicely is just to remember and think about those times in that moment or when is that when i've actually done this before because there's probably times that you have and sometimes it's hard to realize that so just think about if if you see what i'm saying just to try and think about those positive times where you've come through that Mm -hmm. um Another good thing is coping statements. I know loads of people have a set of statements that they might say to themselves, you know, that are very specific to them that they have rehearsed in their head to try and get them through through a moment. Um, you know, typical I am statements or, you know, just just something to basically say, talk yourself up, essentially. So if I was in the gym again and I'm struggling through this set, you know, you just want to say a few words to yourself to try and help gather your confidence for that next thing. Um, if that if that makes sense so spend some time uh, I would say writing down different different scenarios different uh, phrases and say them out loud to yourself and to see what sticks well mm-hmm. um, so that's something else that can uh, help as well um, visualization is a good technique okay so if you are you know you gave the example of um, you know if you're, if you're running and you've got to do an incline next but you don't really want to because it's too hard just again if you've got, you know, some headphones, check your headphones in and just close your eyes and just think about your, you actually achieving that, you running on that incline for that certain amount of time or 
for me, you know, it's doing that next length, um, you know, getting my head down and doing it. If I see myself doing it, it becomes a lot easier um, because often in that moment, you probably see yourself as, oh, this is going to be so much hard work. Um, I can just see myself just failing around it. You're kind of thinking and uh, Im imagining those negative scenarios. So mm -hmm. you have to basically do the, the opposite. Imagine yourself actually doing it. Yeah. Yeah, so do, I like that. Do these things, yeah. So I guess coping statements, some visualization, some reframing, uh, we can all help. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I I tend to to go with, I remember reading this one thing, just like the random triathlon magazine, like 15 years ago, where it was like, you know, mm -hmm. I've, I've done Ironman. I can do two, two more minutes of anything. Mm -hmm. And that's like, mm -hmm. that's my statement right there. Yeah, <laughs> perfect statement. I, I mean, it's a great statement. Yeah, it's a great statement. Yeah. That, that sort of encompasses almost like all of those things. Because as I say that, I usually then like, you know, visualize getting through that race. And then, you know, it's kind of reframing this like long set of intervals. It's just like, okay, it's just two more minutes this time. And then you get two minutes off. And then mm -hmm. you just have like that, like chunking it down. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's something we mentioned a bit earlier, that that chunking and breaking it down into a smaller unit is so beneficial. So again, I might look at it in, it, you know, we, we often see, I mean, I often see people or hear people say to me that, you know, it's just so tough. If I think about the whole workout after, you know, if you're training, you know, an upper body, you know, going through every single exercise, it just seems so long. Okay. But then let's just break it down. You, you're, you're going to train, you know, you're, you're going to do one set at a time on, on a certain thing. So just picture yourself doing that set first, that bench press, mm -hmm. then picture yourself. Once you've done that, then picture yourself doing that pull up that you need to do. Then picture yourself doing that, you know, I don't know, that dip or, or that, you know, that row, that seated row that you have to do. Mm -hmm. So just break that into more manageable tasks can help. Yeah, exactly. And that's, I mean, you've mentioned swimming a few times. That's how I've always felt in the pool. I hate mm -hmm. pool workouts with like a burning <laughs> passion. Yeah. Like, I'll go in the pool for like 90 minutes and just swim and I'm happy, but put me yeah. in and you're like, you know, do like 10 sets of like 200 meters and I'm just the angriest person on the planet. Yeah. So it has to just be like one at a time. Otherwise yeah. I can't handle it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, okay. Reframing steps. Ugh. reframing stress on race day morning. So this is like the, you know, uh, the M&M lose yourself. Your palms are sweaty and knees yeah. weak, et cetera. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he doesn't really mention the, in the porta potty line over and over again, but yeah. let's imagine yeah. that's also happening. Mm -hmm. Um, you're just a mess on race day. Um, how do we, how do we reframe it and, uh, get to the start line, not ready to just like vomit on the start line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, again, brilliant question. Um, sometimes I know often people have um, someone close to them, who's, who's, whether it's a coach or a friend or a training partner, um, who can help them through that, through that line, basically. Because often when you're, when you're alone and isolated, it can be tough. So I'd always recommend trying to have someone there with you on race day or uh, you know, you're, when the event is there, just to help get you through that. Because you know, you, you're going to have those you know, that, that nervous and, and anxious moment, really. The other thing I would say is <clears throat> often on race days, your body's going through so much different things and you're feeling all these different sensations. Okay. But what's interesting is that if, you know, when you're anxious, your heart's beating fast, your, you know, heart, palms might go sweaty or you might feel a bit dizzy, etc. The same thing happens when you're excited, so when you're excited, the same, the same physiological responses might happen, but the difference is, is one you see is excitement, one you see is uh, anxiety. So I would say to you that in that moment, it's probably a bit of excitement as well, and it probably means you're ready to go, okay? Right, yeah, the absence yeah. of that feeling would actually be kind of a negative. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And if you think about those physiological responses you get, because, you know, when your heart is beating faster, what's actually happening is you, you're your uh, more blood is getting pumped around your body and you're becoming more you know getting more oxygenated blood for example that's actually a benefit and then you've got adrenaline going through your body making you even more ready mm -hmm. so if you if you notice and realize that that's the actual effects that are happening it's going to serve you well rather than viewing it as oh crap my heart's being fast I'm, i don't think i'm going to be able to deal with this etc and then starting to worry mm -hmm. so i think that that's another strategy that might be able to help people yeah yeah i love that i i always tell myself i'm just always reminding myself like it's because it matters. Like if it exactly. didn't matter, yeah, yeah, yeah. you just kind of be there, chill on the line. And like, mm -hmm. what are you even doing there? <laughs> mm 
Exa yeah. exactly that yeah i like that a lot um mm -hmm. okay perfect um and then what do you think about any kind of like developing any kind of like weird rituals is maybe even the wrong word but like mm -hmm. i for me i do like little fidgety things with my fingers that i know mm -hmm. i'm going to do on every start line and that's almost like part of my like calm down but also pump up like i find it like puts me in just the right mentality do you try yeah. to help people like find little things like that i know the answer is it depends but <laughs> mm. yeah I, I guess if something works for you like that then there's no harm in doing it because i mean i'm assuming if i just ask you a question about that you know when you do do those things kind of that um you, with your fingers that you were just showing me what in your mind is the purpose of that it's literally just something that keeps my mind like off of what's about to happen and just mm -hmm. like, I don't know, redirects my attention, I guess. Mm -hmm, so that's, mm -hmm. that's what I tend to, I'm just like so focused on like tapping each finger to my thumb, uh, which mm -hmm. people listening can't see me doing, but I'm doing. And <laughs> for whatever reason, it just calms me down. It's not something I can do in bike races because you're hanging onto the handlebars, yeah, but for every triathlon enough. and running race I've done, I, I started doing it like 15 years ago and it's still something mm -hmm. I do every race <laughs> and, and is there any ever time like a time where you haven't done it before that you're aware of <laughs> that I'm aware of actually you know it's funny it's I was talking about this a couple episodes ago when we were talking about sort of race day mistakes I think mm -hmm. my last running race I was trying so hard to like not be stressed and be super chill on the start line and I think I actually took it down too many levels so I okay. actually wasn't like pumped yeah. up at all and I mean the race went fine but I definitely wasn't as like happy with how I how I went in it mm. um, and I think mm. it was because I I tried to tamp down my stress so much and sit like stay so low key that I actually mm -hmm. tilted into like the it doesn't matter that much mm -hmm. mode so it was, it was kind of actually a really good realization that like no that that race day stress is actually like kind of a positive sign for me yeah yeah you kind of need it yeah so I, I mean so we're just kind of coming back to those rituals and, and things like that so if it's going to settle you down that I don't see any harm I guess in in doing it and there's you know everyone's got their thing that they want to do you know often when I've watched basketball and people are going to take a free throw every you know every basketballer has their thing that they do before they go and take their shot and that's just their way of getting ready and getting set mm -hmm. um um, I guess I'm sometimes also a believer of maybe testing things out as well um, rather than avoiding it. So, you know, if you have a belief that you need to kind of touch your fingers before the race to get you ready, you know, test out a time where you don't do that and see what the impact, mm -hmm. the impact it can have. Because sometimes it, you know, the impact, there is no impact and, it, and it's fine. And then you don't actually need that thing that you have to do because you can often worry yourself out of a situation because you haven't done it and then you know that affects your performance totally so just to say, it's not the end of the world if you don't do that thing and sometimes just give it a go and test it out just so you can see what's going to happen yeah no that brings up a really good point that it's very easy to get so precious about yeah. like pre-race routines and rituals to the point where yeah now you didn't do this one little thing you didn't you know drink the thing or eat the thing or you know hit the porta potty the third time and now like all is <laughs> all is lost yeah. you didn't listen to you you know you didn't have your headphones so you couldn't listen to like your one pump up jam so now mm -hmm. you just can't possibly so i think yeah the the less like stuff you have to hang on to for that race day probably the, mm. the better <laughs> yeah exactly yeah okay and we should have gotten into this in the beginning and i don't know why i put this question lower but <clears throat> we're gonna we're gonna get into it now long-term issues when mm -hmm. you just hang on to a ton of stress and anxiety and we sort of alluded to it with the mortality rate for someone who's you know absorbing stress a lot more and like yeah, thinking yeah. of themselves as stressed but like you know we're kind of i'm trying to kind of tease out sort of some of the benefits of stress and how it's a positive but let's also like touch on what happens when we're just balls of stress all the time <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah um i guess the, the research that's out there you know there's so much research into the long-term effects of stress uh you know chronic stress for example um we know that you know it can have if if you are holding on to a lot of stress for a long period of time it can affect your sleep you know you can feel more tired or struggle to get to sleep for example which is of course going to have an effect on your day and your training um affecting your appetite so a lot of people tend to eat less or, or overeat as a coping mechanism as well which again of course is going to affect 
your ability to, to train or, or, or your, your general day as well. Um, long-term effect of stress, again, you know, the mental health impact of it, we know that it can be linked to depression. We know it can be linked to anxiety as well. Um, so I guess there's a lot really. Um, <laughs> the, the list is, there, there is a lot in there in terms of the list that comes from the negative impact of chronic stress mm-hmm. um, because also biological things are also happening when stress occurs and those biological things you know for example cortisol being released for an extended period of time is going to impact certain you know body regions and structures mm-hmm. but then also if you are experiencing chronic stress it's going to have an impact mentally as well you're going to probably have more negative thoughts more thoughts where you're catastrophizing or jumping to kind of um, negative conclusions uh, and things like that and that's going to then impact perhaps you know depression or anxiety as well right but, yeah, it's important to note that too yeah yeah now do you see in your practice do you see chronic stress leading to higher rates of more of that like general anxiety is that sort of like is that kind of almost a not a spectrum but kind of one leads mm. into the other I know obviously like anxiety yeah. can exist as its own thing separate yeah. from any kind of like acute stress uh, that's you know <laughs> that's its mm-hmm. own thing but can chronic stress actually like trigger more of the generalized anxiety that you've seen yeah I've, I've, most definitely i mean often we're thinking when we ask people um we're, we're kind of trying to say to them well what's the what's the activating event what's the triggers that's happened that have led to this essentially and you're mm-hmm. kind of working that through with them and often you know at the moment in the uk something that's happening uh, and i know this is kind of separate from exercise but you know energy bills are are going through the roof um inflation is increasing so much that it's having an impact on 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 households and their ability to afford things so that's going to probably be more chronic stress that you're going to see and and that would definitely lead into for example depression mm-hmm. um, or, or anxiety about the world and what's going to, what's going to happen and, but it kind of stems from that initial um stress of you know, household living and, and affordability and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's sort of interesting to me. And one of the big points I really wanted to get to with you is a lot of the time, whenever you're reading kind of these generic articles about solving for stress and solving for anxiety, mm-hmm. exercise is always listed as like our number one, like way to get rid of stress and anxiety. Yeah. Um, but for a lot of the athletes I know, there's, it almost has come like so full circle that mm-hmm exercise Mm -hmm. is also a major cause of stress Mm -hmm. and anxiety Mm -hmm. so how do we kind of balance the fact that exercise is good for us but also uh some of us get a little bit obsessive and a little bit stressed uh you know when things aren't going according to plan with it you know i know a lot of people where Mm. if they miss their run or their ride for the day or they have to cut it short and we're talking like half a mile short we're not even talking like you know, 45 minutes short, we're talking yeah, like yeah. five minutes mm-hmm. and, you know, seeing that like yellow come up on like their workout, not being done, you know, it's not turning <laughs> green. Yeah. Like that is a huge, like source of just like stress and disappointment and all of these things. How do, how mm. do we, how do we balance the, like it's healthy, mm-hmm. but there's an unhealthy element mm-hmm. to it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I realize I'm asking it's... you an impossible question, but no, no, I mean, to be honest, Molly, it's a, it's a brilliant question. It's a brilliant way um, to think about these things because like you're, you're saying, right. You know, when you see all these articles out there, it, it says, you know, go exercise, but when you're at a certain level, you know, it does, it, it's a source of anxiety or a source of stress then. Right. Um, often when when we see that it it kind of comes down to again people falling into certain thinking traps okay so if someone has missed a workout um and they you know you probably want to understand what is it about me missing that workout that is causing this you know causing me to to worry or feel anxious basically often you know a, a hypothetical answer would be that um, you know, if I miss this workout, I'm not going to, um, I'm not going to meet my goal. I'm not going to make any gains or I might not look good, etc. So these thoughts start racing through your mind. They play off each other. Then before you know it, you've got this real concoction of negative images that are going through your mind and that's, what's going to cause the anxiety then. Mm-hmm. So by noticing that and you, you kind of, what we say, catching that thinking style or that trap first, at least you're aware of that, you know, so, you know, me missing this exercise is causing me stress because of this, 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 okay? 
once you know that it becomes easier to, to tackle it so can you take a more compassionate approach with yourself in that moment can you say to yourself, okay i missed this one but tomorrow is another day what can i do tomorrow you know to try and help me get forward and meet that goal that i've got mm-hmm. okay. that could that's just sort of one small way to really help help with that um yeah does that does that help um, I yeah hope it yeah no that's that's great um and then do you ever do you ever run into someone who's i'm using exercise as such a coping mechanism that like we we always joke about like uh often mm. it's for you know a lot of us distance runners it's not so much that we're running to something it's that we're running away from something away. <laughs> <laughs> um, like you know exercise is obviously like a great way to start kind of dealing with with some feelings but there, there is like a tipping point where, you know, if you're just using that as your only coping mechanism, uh, injury and stuff can also come in and kind of ruin that mm. ability to use it mm. as a coping mechanism slash. It's just like, mm. it's often not actually solving the problem itself. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what would you say to the, the people who maybe realize that they're using exercise to, to run away from something rather than actually confronting it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. See that that's quite a tough one. Cause I, when it comes to those type of situations, sometimes we often need someone there to maybe help us through that. Um, someone to perhaps even notice it and tell us, um, right. and then actually, and actually getting us through it, getting us through it. Cause often you might not even realize that that's what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then to actually get through it, you know, that's why, you know, a lot of people will perhaps come in, um, you know, come into therapy, for example, or, or a lot of people I work with because, they're stuck as well um we we have everyone's got different coping strategies and management strategies that we try to use but if 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 it comes to a point where those things aren't working and it's having a significant impact in your life then is it a time to maybe seek a bit more help and it it might be and there's nothing wrong with that as well that's the important thing to share um yeah i think in those moments yeah you probably need someone there with you i would say to really try and talk you through it help you notice it and then help you kind of maybe tackle the problem a little bit more. Mm -hmm. I love that. I've talked on here about just my, my, my theory that like everyone should really go to therapy at least like Mm -hmm. once or twice, just even as a preventative and that way. So you've like found a therapist that you like. So that way, if you ever (laughs) do feel the need to to go to one, they know you, they have your backstory and they know your childhood already. So like you're not starting from scratch when you already have a problem. So I'm like such a huge fan of, uh, Mm -hmm. of what I call the preventative therapy measure. Um, Mm -hmm. but also, yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, you're right. Like a lot of the times the problem is we, we aren't even going to really see that in ourselves. Um, Mm -hmm. so there's definitely, probably a bit of like check-in and self-reflection that all of us can kind of do as we're listening to this right now. Like think about, hmm. yeah. yeah. <laughs> would someone say that about me? <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we, we, I mean, like, you know, many of us are going to go through it at different points in yeah. life as well, you know, um, I remember a point when I was doing, I was probably doing that as well. Um, you know, it was a time where, you know, it's difficult to kind of, um, kind of get a job I just come out of uni and kind of trying to work my way up to, to get some experience I can you know get onto the doctorate that I'm doing now and, and 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 work you know clinically with people but there was a tough moment where I just wasn't able to land anything um, and then you start thinking about is it me you know am I the problem and and all these this this negative self-talk starts happening and the, the thing that did help me was going to the gym mm-hmm. um, but then like you said was it a way of me perhaps trying to get away from the problem if I look back on it, the thing that probably helped me notice that it wasn't and I wasn't doing that was the fact that I was still trying to tackle my situation. So I was still going out there to you know, apply to jobs or see what I could do to, to try and better myself. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're perhaps using exercise as a way to get away from something, or like you said, run away, and then in your kind of daily life as well, you're still avoiding that that thing or that, that thing, you know, that pattern of and you don't want to go close to it that's right. probably an indicator that you are maybe pushing away you're not trying to address what's going on mm-hmm. yeah yeah oh i love that um okay and i know i know we've talked about this there's the answer mm-hmm. is it depends and everyone's going to be different mm-hmm. but what are some of your favorite uh 
easy, easier uh, stress relievers. Like last time we talked, you mentioned the five, four, three, two, one method, which is one of my all time favorite things. So I was mm-hmm. hoping you can kind of explain that one and then just share maybe any other little ones that you particularly like. Yeah. Yeah. The great thing with it is there's so many and, and it's going to resonate, you know, you have to try different things for it, you know, for you to find your, your go-to thing, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. The idea with this is you have a bit of a toolkit and then you can pick and choose from the ones that are, are beneficial to you. So the five, four, three, two, one method is a really useful way to uh, ground yourself into the present moment when things are getting a little bit tough. Um, we often use it when working with people who are um, experiencing trauma, kind of like PTSD or people experiencing anxiety as well, or having a panic attack, for example. And it would essentially involve you, you know, going through that number. So five, so looking at, are there five things around you that you can see in this present moment? Four, you know, are there four things that you can touch? Um, Three, are there three things that you can um, hear? Two, are there two things that you can smell? And then one, is there one thing you can taste? The taste might be a bit hard if there's nothing in front of you. So could you imagine a taste? Or if you can't, then go back to perhaps that last one. Is there another thing in the room that you can see? Basically, mm-hmm. It's just a way of you saying to yourself, okay, I'm here in this moment. Um, I'm not where I think I am or I'm not overwhelmed by all those things I'm thinking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's such a great, great method at which we spoke about last time. Um, there's so many breathing exercises that you can do really to ground yourself um, from deep breathing to certain count you know number breathing which i'll talk through in a moment um to mindful breathing as well so something i like is doing you know counting whilst you're breathing so you might um inhale for three seconds hold that breath for three seconds and then blow out for five seconds so always try and make your out breath longer than your in inhale okay mm-hmm. um and again it's just a way of just calming yourself down and relaxing yourself in that moment um there's mindful breathing, so paying attention to perhaps the sensations that are going on in your body whilst you're breathing. So, you know, putting your hand in your stomach whilst in your deep breaths and feeling your abdomen rise, feeling it deflate, or picturing like there's a balloon in there that's kind of inflating and deflating, um, noticing any sensations in your body whilst you're doing that, um, and just saying to yourself that thoughts are going to come into my mind and I'm going to hear loads of different things whilst I'm doing this exercise, but that's fine. Just bring myself back to the focus on my breath, bring it back to my abdomen and focus on that. Again, another way of really getting you in the present moment, uh, which takes practice. It's not easy to do. So I would just say, you know, the the more often you can do that, uh, the better that can be as well. Um, So that's probably another another thing. There's, you know, something else called progressive muscle relaxation, which is quite, quite a cool thing to do, which essentially involves you tensing up a muscle part of your body really, really tight and holding that and then slowly releasing that tension. Um, So it's kind of like when you release the tension, you're really picturing and imagining um, that kind of stress or that anxiety flow away in Mm -hmm. your body, basically. Oh my gosh, I'm like getting relaxed, just like hearing you talk through this. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I mean, there's so many cool things. And I think those are just a few, you know, know, if you Google, you know, breathing exercise or mindful breathing or PMR, um, loads of different things will come up and they'll give you so many different exercises. There's guided stuff as well. So listening to people's recordings and following what they're saying um, that can really help kind of ground you as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Mindfulness doesn't have to involve sitting down and trying to pay attention because that's tough. Um, I remember doing an eight week mindfulness course and it was really hard, Uh, but something they introduced me to was mindful walking. So um, actually doing an activity, but mindfully thinking about where your leg is being placed um, you moving your other leg and your body or mindful stretching. So feeling those stretches whilst you're moving, etc. Mm-hmm. So I think these are all things that can really help um, as well. I could probably go on uh, forever with these, but yeah, there's so many. Love it. Ah, so good. Okay. Before we go, tell everyone where they can find you. I know obviously we can link to your, your book on Scribd, the making sense of anxiety and stress, which is yeah. really, really good. Just short read, a lot of really tangible yeah like practical takeaways is there anywhere else on the interwebs people can find you yeah so i, I write weekly on medium um so I, i'm kind of always posting on there so i guess it is around um personal growth mental health and psychology and things like that um i've also got a um a Substack newsletter so you can oh, subscribe nice. it's called psych growth so it's just one word psych growth um 
yeah subscribe and i kind of send a a, a newsletter out once a week just with some some tips and strategies for people and it's completely free to sign up as well yeah amazing all right well we will link to both of those in the show notes uh brilliant, brilliant. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat about this. I know this is, you know, a little bit uh, different than how you're normally talking about stress and anxiety. So mm. hopefully it was, hopefully it was fun to kind of get outside the usual uh, clinical box a little bit. Yeah, no, I really, really love talking about, about this and exercise for me is an important part of my life too. Um, mm-hmm. So it's just, it's, it's fascinating and wonderful. So thanks for having me. And yeah, I hope that, that the listeners take some, you know, find things that are useful as well. Yeah, you are welcome anytime. Maybe we'll have to have you back on around the holidays so we can talk through the stress of dealing yeah. with, uh, <laughs> Definitely. with family and the off season. <laughs> yeah, perfect, Molly. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. If you want to hear more training, racing, and endurance sport advice, make sure you subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating and review. You can also subscribe to our newsletter at consummateathlete.com for a weekly dose of inspiration and advice straight to your inbox.